All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a January 30th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. And as always, brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. The game starts now at Botano.ca. I'm Tyler Yaremjek. He is our Daily Faceoff insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how's it going? I am good. Uh, heading to Toronto tomorrow for All-Star. Looking forward to getting everyone together. The whole nation network descending on Toronto. That should be awesome. But until then, we got a couple more shows. Yeah, we got to grind through a few more shows before we get to our nice fancy team dinner on Wednesday night, which should be a lot of fun. Taking over All-Star Weekend should be a real treat. Doing a couple of live shows as well. More on that in a little bit. Steven Ellis is going to swing by with the next wave about halfway through the show. But for now, let's dig into four meaty NHL topics, starting with some news yesterday that the Sabres have, are going to be without Jack Quinn for the next eight weeks. Frank, and this is a guy just on a personal level, like yesterday we talked about you know, the the heatle injury and just how bad you feel for the guy. I feel for Jack Quinn here, too. He missed the first chunk of the season, comes back, looks like he's finally starting to gain some ground in his NHL career, and then, boom, another lower body injury keeps him out for eight weeks. A tough blow. It is, and just a tough blow for the Sabres, who just really can't get right this season. And you look at Jack Quinn and his season, he was humming along 12 points in 17 games to start this year. And, you know, you just... You know, you consider where this Sabres team is, where they're building to some of the young pieces that have had some, you know, pretty good seasons, all things considered. Quinn was one of those guys that you're really excited about, along with a JJ Paterka and some other guys that have had really good years. And you're like, okay, when are we going to see the real Buffalo Sabres? When is Tage Thompson going to take over? When is he going to be fully healthy this year? Like all those things start to really stack up. And it's just been, one disappointment after the other in Buffalo. 
Yeah, and I mean, you look, you go, hey, they're only three points back of teams like Washington, New Jersey, and Pittsburgh, but the games in hand kind of skew that a little bit. And while I'm sure there are Sabres fans out there who want to believe that a late-game charge could happen, you know, closing off, what are they, nine points back of the Detroit Red Wings right now? That's maybe not insurmountable, but it's the fact that there are one, two, three, four other teams between them and the Wings that probably kills any chances, which brings us to the deadline conversation. Frank, I go pull up their cap friendly, and it's like, I'm not even sure how many premium assets they have to sell off. So what is the deadline playbook for the group out in Buffalo? I think it's mostly just to monitor the market and see if there's someone out there that makes sense and not for a deadline edition now, but if there's a player that pops up that becomes available, that fits them for the long view, I think you'd have to be intrigued and interested. And and by the way, there seemed to be some speculation out there. I think it was two weeks ago about Casey Middlestat and his availability. I, I don't really think there's much to that. It doesn't make any sense for me. Here's a team that you want to be on the upswing Casey Middlestat has grown by leaps and bounds these last couple years, almost 60 points last year. He's going to crush his career high in goals, 42 points in 49 games. He's only 25. Why? He just turned 25. Why would you want to be moving on from this player? And I think the answer is that the Sabres aren't interested in that and still not entirely sure why his name was out there. Yeah. So I'm not sure who they could be selling off, but maybe an interesting chance the Sabres to test drive some longer term fits at the trade deadline. Let's head out West Frank where the lone game in the NHL last night was a really interesting one. You're thinking, okay, the Nashville Predators, they're up three, nothing. That's a nice little two points. They did their job against the Sens. We'll hold up. Wait, a big comeback ever led by the captain Brady Kachuk picking up a couple of points. And all of a sudden it's an OT win for the Senators. The Preds drop a I'm not going to call it a massive point because it's a cross-conference game, but a point, man, they sure would have loved to have. And when you look at that race between them and that and the St. Louis Blues for the eighth spot, the Blues sitting on a five-game heater right now as well, getting a matchup against the Blue Jackets tonight could easily make it six. It's starting to look like St. Louis is, I mean, the driver's seat might be an understatement here in the Western Conference playoff race. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't feel particularly strong about anyone for that eighth seed. Like we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, the Blues and Preds, certainly the Coyotes, we know the Flames, these teams could very well likely be sellers. And even if you're close to a playoff spot, I, it's the ultimate pillow fight, I think, when you look at the West. No one really is going to be adding to get in because, to quote Daryl Sutter, it kind of feels like a waste of eight days, whether you get the Avs or the Canucks or whoever it might be that gets that one seed, which by the way, they actually really have something to play for in the West because I think there is such a disparity between whoever gets the eighth seed and the other seven teams that are going to be in the mix. And I include the Kings in that team in the seven mix because they're a team that, to me, they'll figure it out at some point. I think they're too talented not to. Um, so I, I look at the Blues and, and everyone else and I go, eh, it's kind of, it's meh. It's, mi it's middling, it's average, it's... You know, they've played certainly better of late, and you've heard Braden Shen talk about their game. Um, you know, I, I just, there's no one that gets me excited for that eighth spot that I think is head and shoulders better than anyone else. 
Well, and another thing too, if you're a GM like Doug Armstrong, you could be sitting there going, okay, it is such an average middling race that hey, if I wanted to trade off one of my defensemen, if I wanted to trade off Kevin Hayes, that's probably not going to be the difference between me getting into the eight seed and not like it's a very good year. If you're in that mix with all those mushy teams, you can have the best of both worlds. If you're a GM, sit there and say, hey, look, fan base, we made the playoffs. Hey, look, we're giving some of our young guys playoff experience and picked up a second round pick, couple of thirds and a prospect too, just to keep the cupboards nice and stocked. Yeah, and I have to double check the standings and I could pull them up real quick, but I think the year that they traded Kevin Shattenkirk at the deadline, I think that was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they still were super close to making it or they, did they end up making it? I have to double check, but they, they were, they, they moved out some pieces. And I think there were some guys that were offended, uh, within that room saying, Hey, wait a second here. Like we have a team that could compete. I think it's 2018, uh, that they traded Paul Stasny. They finished one point short after moving out pieces and getting first round picks. So to your point, the history is there for them to be able to compete and still do it. And if you were to take off a piece from this blues team, I think that'd be hugely beneficial in the long run, not for whatever you get in return. But I look at that defense core in St. Louis and say, okay, you've got these top four guys with no trade clauses that make big money for the foreseeable future, at least the next three seasons. You're not winning with these guys intact and they're getting older. You have to pry off a piece from this group to move them. And I don't know who that's going to be, but the next time you see our trade targets board on daily Faceoff, it's going to have, it's going to say one St. Louis blues defenseman because they should be considering making moves to try and change up the look of it. Uh, so the two deadlines, it was the one they sold off Shattenkirk at the 2017 deadline. So the 16-17 season, they went 7-1-2 and two in their final 10 games, made the playoffs that year. 2018, the next season when they sold off Stastny, they missed the playoffs by one point. They were one point back of the Colorado Avalanche that season. We'll see what the Blues deadline approaches this year. The Nashville Predators, like we said, right in that same spot in today's deadline countdown article over at dailyfaceoff.com is all about their big gun between the pipes. It's UC Soros, Frank and Matt Larkin taking a look at where he could potentially go if, if he's made available and traded by the Predators. Here are those four teams he listed. You got the Canes, the Kings, the Devils, and the Maple Leafs. Soros with another year at that dream cap hit of $5 million. His more or less elite play for the last couple of seasons and relatively consistent as well. If he's available, Frank, he would have a very strong market. That's an understatement. See, that's where I struggle with the goalie part of this is that historically goalies do not bring big returns. There just hasn't been a huge market for them. They typically move via free agency, and that's kind of it. I mean, name for me the last really big goalie that was traded. I guess Ryan Miller to the Blues. That's at 10 the years ago. I know, but isn't that isn't it a little bit different when it's and a that guy was at the trade term? deadline? Yeah, but with term, Soros with term, he's only got one year, and then you have to pay him. Yeah, but I mean, so Miller K, I mean, Flurry didn't end up getting a first that year when he was dealt to the Minnesota Wild. But if you're sitting there and it's a five million dollar cap hit, and you're one of those GMs like in Carolina, and you go, man, if I make this move, I've solidified my goaltending position, kind of without a doubt. And I get them for two playoff runs. That's worth paying a lot for. 
Well, then, so it's acquisition cost one and then paying him the contract to vault him into the Hellebuck range or wherever it is, Vasilevsky, that's going to be really expensive too. So it's a two-part thing. I agree with you. Like, I think Soros is one of the five to seven goalies in the league that you can set your watch to, which really says something about him and his game. Now, the problem is for the Preds, it's not a problem. It's a good problem to have that Askarov has has had really good numbers so far. But when I look at what I could potentially get in return because of some of those factors that I just mentioned, the idea that it's going to make it worth your while to take the sure thing that you have in your franchise and delete it and then count on Askarov, who certainly to this point in his career is still an unknown I'd, I'd have a hard time making that leap. It's almost like once you get the sort of franchise backbone goalie, you do whatever it takes to keep him. And I I have a, a hard time, especially with the influx of goaltending around the league, as important as he would be for the Kings or Canes or Devils or any of those teams that we mentioned, even the Leafs to solidify things. Although I think Joe Wall can be their goalie of the future. I... I once you get him, I'm not giving him up. I'm riding that guy until he's 37 years old and I need a replacement, kind of like they did with Pekka Rene, and they just, you know, stacked all of that. Like, I think you chase your tail. Once you get rid of that guy, you all you do is go about searching to then land him. And the Preds have waffled back and forth. And, you know, um, they said originally Barry Trotz on the Frankly Speaking podcast. You can go listen to it. We we launched it in December. Hey, I'm not trading uh, UC Soros. And now we see a report from 10 days or two weeks ago that they might have to listen to offers. I doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of notes on this one before we wrap up the press. I'd be curious to see what our chat thinks about that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, there was a comment in there about, you know, would they be willing to keep money? Patrick was in and says that or give up an extra extra draft capital for salary salary retention. Nashville's already has two retained contracts on the books. You can only have a max of three. They're keeping four million of Johansson this year and next. And then it's still 250,000 of Ekholm for the remainder of his deal. As and you want to try and retain on Tyson Barry at the deadline to get him to where he's going. So it doesn't yeah. make any sense to retain on Soros. His deal is already good enough. Yeah, and Christopher Palmer was in. How do the Kings and Leafs make that work with the cap dollar in for dollar out? And I mean, maybe Nashville would be in a position where they take back some money if you're willing to make it worth their while with the future assets. But again, just that extra year of sorrows. You don't have to worry about paying them for a couple of seasons. Like, ah, just I would be all over that if I was a contending team who had a glaring hole between the pipes like those four largest. I just think it's hard to get equal value. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah, tough. Uh, all right, Frank, it is hot take season, and we spelt it the way the kids spell it, S-Z-N, because we are a hip urban internet talk show. Uh, but what we did was yesterday on the Daily Faceoff Twitter, we put out the call. I wanted people to give me their hottest second half takes. We got a couple in the chat that we'll get to if we have some time as well. But let's get going with a few that stood out to me on Twitter, at CBJ Opinions. I wonder where their allegiances lie, and they're clearly frustrated, Frank, they say the Blue Jackets don't make any changes despite continuously reaching previously unheard of lows. So not mincing their words there. What do you think? Is Columbus going to go the season without making big changes? I guess. What does the season include? Is it just until their last regular season game? I'm trying to think 
I don't want to like Gregor or Yeremchuk myself, but I, I would eat something pretty disgusting if Yarmo Kekalainen is still their general manager come the summer. It is. If, we're, if we are at the draft in Vegas and Yarmo Kekalainen is still the GM of the Blue Jackets, I will eat a stick of butter. Ooh, a whole stick of butter. I'm in. I'm very in on that. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right. It's been a nightmare season for the Blue Jackets, Frank. This next one, it's your nightmare scenario. Nick said we see the least amount of trade deadline deals in the cap era. It's a spooky thought for a couple of guys who have to do a deadline show. What do you think? I don't actually think it's spooky because I could talk forever. And two, um, I don't think, I think Nick is on to something like, a manager mentioned this to me the other day. If you take the Carol, uh, sorry, the Calgary Flames guys off of our board, which you're, we're not going to, they're probably like two, at least two of them are going to be moved for sure. How interesting is this market? Gensel way further down the list. We still don't know what's happening with the Penguins. It's really not very sexy. And we're not talking about a ton of big impact guys. I could see teams going, you know what? Like, unless you're willing to take lower prices for some of these guys, I'm not getting in the rental game. I, you know, I was just scrolling Twitter before the show started and I saw a Rangers fan said, hey, look at some of the guys that you've been able to get for first round picks over the last few years, whether it's Philip Aronic or whoever it might be. Why are we continuing to trade rental? Like, why are we continuing to trade first round picks for the third year in a row for rental players? Uh, rental players that may not be that good and may not put you over the top. Like I think teams should take a step back and say, you know what? Let's be judicious with how we spend this. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, The next one we got is from Sebastian and this is, was a popular one. We got it three or four times. We've gotten in the chat. I saw Lance put it in there and he said the Leafs miss the playoffs. Frank, I look, they're six points clear of the Islanders who are in ninth right now. They have a couple of games in hand. The Leafs should be fine. It would take a monumental collapse for this hot take to come true. Not monumental. I mean, they're not really that far in the playoffs. Um, it would take us a, a pretty considerable one considering their competition. Like, I think the Leafs are still a lot better than the Flyers. And the Leafs probably are pretty significantly better than the Penguins or whoever else that might be clipping at their heels depending on if another team in the Atlantic can get going and knock them out. The Red Wings, for instance, it's not crazy, but it's a very small percentage. All right. A couple other interesting ones, but we're going to save those for hashtag ask DFO because I cannot keep our pal Stephen Ellis waiting any longer. Let's get into the next wave. The next wave is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Stephen Ellis is going to be seeing me in the flesh tomorrow, but he said, I can't wait another 24 hours. I need to do a hit on Daily Faceoff Live. And luckily for us, he's got his mock draft ready to go as well. So, Stephen, let's dig into it. Let's flash up the mock draft. You obviously have Macklin Celebrini going number one overall, but in that two spot is defenseman Anton Siliev. Is he a lock to go in that two spot, or do you think there's still room for movement from now to the end of the year? So I was at the U.S. Top Prospects game a couple uh, weeks ago, and I asked of about, I asked about, of course I was, yes. I asked about eight or nine different scouts, like who would you take number two? And I got seven different answers, but the one that was repeated 
was Anton Siliev. And, you know, a defenseman that's six foot seven that can produce like he is, like 11 points is not a lot, but that is actually one of the most productive seasons by a draft eligible prospect in KHL history, uh, which is incredible. Uh, I think with him, the, the allure of his size, his speed, his puck playing abilities, there's very few defensemen like him. So not a lock, but, and I know I have him at San Jose, San Jose just lost the first overall pick uh, uh, just a couple of days ago. But I think with him, it's just, you've got a guy who could be a Victor Hedman style player who can lead that defense. And San Jose's, did improve their defensive prospects last year, but they're still nowhere near where they need to be, especially compared to Chicago, Anaheim, or Columbus. So I really like the opportunity here for Siliev to be the number two guy. But again, it doesn't, it seems like this year more than usual, there's no consensus number two. Want to ask you about number five, Caden Lindstrom. Um, you have him going to the Sens there based on today's draft order standings. Um, draft lottery standings. What do you see from Lindstrom and is number five the ceiling for him or could he go, could he go higher than that? Is he a guy that could climb as high as number two? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I feel like I'm probably underrating him compared to a lot of other people there. You know, he's got the size, some places list him six, four, some list him six foot five. He's been dealing with an injury this year, which uh, he's missed to think about a month of hockey now. And he wasn't at the CHL top prospects game, but you look at the numbers, 27 goals in 32 games, 46 points. He's very physical. He's probably one of the best power forward type guys. And, when you are six foot four, six foot five, you look at that and say, yeah, that's, that's what you expect, but he's got the speed too. That's the thing when the way the game's moving, if you're going to be a big guy, you also have to be able to move well. And I think with Lindstrom, like if he goes number five, that's a pick that Ottawa's going to absolutely love. He's someone who can, who could play the wing. He could play center. He could do all that. He's killed just muscle guys out of the way. Uh, he's kind of what everyone really wanted. Like Quinton Byfield to become and obviously Quinton Byfield's farther along in his career. But in terms of just how he dominates junior hockey, Caden Lindstrom is just one of the best prospects out there right now. So much fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch him do it because there are not many guys that are built that big and move that well. Okay, so I have a question, but I don't know if it'll make sense coming out of my mouth. So let me know if I'm confusing you. But there's one D-man in that list of five. And is I, I guess what I want to get at is, is there a team in there who you think is a lock to take a D-man? Where, like, if they slide up to maybe, I guess, two where you have Siliev or maybe the vice versa of this, is there a team that's a lock to take a forward? Where if they do slide up to two, they'll say, no, we're good on Siliev. We really, really want to add a forward to our mix here. Is there a team who positionally could draft differently that changes this order? Uh, it, I think it might be San Jose. That's kind of why I put Siliev there. I think in the, the case here, you know, you're looking at Ottawa. They, they seem to love Jake Sanderson. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Thomas Shabbat. After that, I think they would look for a D, but I'm still on the board of you just got to pick the best player available. And you look at Montreal last year. They went out and picked David Reinbacher. He was not the best player available, but they got a guy that is their number one defensive prospect. And I don't know how much you followed of his season there, but they just fired another coach out there. Cloton is just an absolute disaster. Um, but, you know, you, you got to pick the best player available. This year, there just happens to be so many good defenders where uh, I think outside of Anaheim, outside of Chicago, outside of Columbus, I think you just got to take a run if you got an opportunity, if that best player available is uh, either Siliev, Artem Lovshunov, uh, Sam Dickinson, Zane Parekh, guys like that. Like we're talking about defensemen this year, like in Parekh's case, could get 30 goals this year in the OHL, which is kind of incredible. Um, so you've got these guys, you got some good defensive guys, you got some good physical guys, you got good speedy guys, you got good offensive guys. Like there's so many options here where, 
I just think there's just more teams that would need a guy like that than teams that don't need someone like that. So it's wide open. That's what I'll say. All right. I'm going to ask you about Tyler's long lost brother, Carter Yakemchuk. Tell me about this kid. Where is he? Uh, obviously coming out of Calgary plays for the Hitmen. played his minor hockey with the Calgary flames, triple a team. Where, where does he fall on your board? I have to ask you just because of his last name. Well, it's, it's funny. Every time I look at him, I'm like, Hey, it's Tyler's brother. But uh, yeah, you know, again, go, talking about guys who could be 30 goal scorers for defensemen, like he's on pace for 31 right now on a terrible Calgary hitman team. So, uh, you know, he's, he's got a good six foot two frame, very mobile. I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was trying to do too much offensively and his defensive game uh, really took a hit for it. I know the coaching staff right there is, this season has really kind of pushed him to improve his defensive game. Um, and he's gotten a lot better. So, I think right now I'm running out of reasons. Like I have him 14th in my midseason board. Uh, I think I had him 20th at one point. I have a hard time keeping him any further at this point. I think just he's a lot more well-rounded than I think a lot of people expected him at the start of the year. I saw him at the U18s. He was completely invisible. Like I, I forgot he was there until looking at my pictures like two weeks later. But I think just ever since he's just shown that he's a lot more than the guy who could just rush the puck. He's very good defensively, throws hits, moves very well. He's a modern day star defenseman that I think we will see on Canada's world junior team sooner rather than later. So I want to just make him Carter Yakemchuk, the unofficial prospect of daily faceoff. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Yakemchuk, Yaremchuk, uh, Stephen Ennis with the daily faceoff next wave report here, I guess. I don't know. Uh, remember, you can go to dailyfaceoff.com and up at the top of the screen, little draft lottery button. We're updating that page every day. You can also check out a really fun read that Stephen did today. The top five NHLers to be traded for future considerations. I really enjoyed scrolling through that one. Which player was maybe the most surprising when you were doing your research there, Stephen? Oh, I... See, I, I've always heard stories from my dad about how terrible Larry Murphy was with the Leafs. Then to look at his stats, and it's like he would have been like a top five offensive defenseman now. But seeing him traded for nothing, I again, I didn't follow hockey when I wasn't born, but uh, I'd say that he uh, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, I didn't follow list. hockey when I wasn't born. Well, well done. Yeah, uh, daily face that's off. That's an understatement. Uh, Steven, thanks for doing this, man. The next wave brought to you by DoorDash. Moving along to our hashtag DFO inbox question. It is brought to you by Seagram's VO Select Canadian Whiskey. Artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. The Nation Network of Podcasts, and that includes us, will be live from the Seagram's VO Whiskey Studio at Sponsorship X in partnership with the 2024 NHL All-Star Game, February 1st and 2nd. Going to be a ton of fun. No show tomorrow because it's a travel day. Thursday, Friday, live and in person from the Seagram's VO Whiskey Studio. Uh, Frank, our colleague Zach Lang did a lot of research for his second half hot take that he threw it. So I'd be I'd feel guilty if I didn't uh, throw it your way. But his hot take was the Oilers find a way to win the President's Trophy. Ineffective math gives them a 10% chance to do so. Frank, do you give them any hope of somehow catching the Boston Bruins? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. 
BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I don't, given that the Bruins are tied at the midway point of the season with the Canucks in points, I don't know why they have such a significant disparity between themselves. I know how the model works. From our friend uh, Micah Blake McCurdy, who is in effective math, it factors in not just how they've played over the last number of weeks, but you know, kind of tries to predict the future. I we've all kind of been waiting for a downturn for both of these teams, Boston and Vancouver. When are they going to regress? I think we've seen enough, certainly from Vancouver, to know this year, especially how they went into the break, eight zero and two in their last ten, that they aren't going anywhere. I'm not entirely sold that that's the same for the Bruins. Like I, I think at some point they're bound to hit a bit of a rut. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me that a team like the Oilers would only have a 10% chance. It feels like a team that's had separate eight and 16 game winning streaks since their new coach took over that even if they lose a few in a row, they're bound to string together a few more five game winning streaks that, and especially considering they've played the hardest part of their schedule already, it shouldn't be out of the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one we got that was a really, really common one, but it was thrown to us in so many different ways. I know a couple people in the chat put it in, but yesterday we tweeted saying, Jay Woodcroft will be coaching the LA Kings by the time the playoffs roll around. Someone else mm-hmm. in the chat said their hot take was that Craig Berube takes over for the LA Kings and brings them all the way to the cup final. I don't think they're making a coaching change. I think we're too late in the season. Um, but what do you make I of all the too late? Hobbies? I mean, we, we're, we're still 39 days away from the deadline. By the way, Craig Berube joining the NHL on TNT panel on Wednesday. The guy's been everywhere. He's at the Flyers alumni game on Friday. He's been doing podcasts left and right. I mean, Craig Berube, he's, uh, he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Fair enough. All right, let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets for the day. Uh, the game starts now at Botano.ca. Uh, Jake Sanderson came through yesterday. He racked up three shots on goal, so I'll look to keep a hot week rolling here into Tuesday. The St. Louis Blues on the puck line. Come on, plus 142. They're playing the Blue Jackets, who stink. The Blues are red hot. They're at home, and you're giving me plus 142 on the puck line? Sign me up all day. And there's only two games on the slate, but I did manage to throw together a little same or a little shot prop parlay. Yanni Gord and Jake Neighbors both have their numbers set at one and a half. Neighbors has hit in five of six. Gord has hit in four in a row. So you play those two together. One and a half, place plus plus 143. Sign me up all day. Couple of plus 143 bets here on a Tuesday night in a short slate in the NHLs. We creep closer to 
the all-star break. And that brings us to daily or to garbage time, which is brought to you by the daily face-off survivor pool and our friends at Wendy's. The bacon portobello mushroom melt is back for a limited time. Order it today. And even if you're a loser in the survivor pool, you can be a winner at lunchtime with Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Frank, the slate starts seven hours from now. Night one for this week. Where are you going with your pick? I'm going St. Louis Blues over three and a half goals. I You just mentioned the Blue Jackets stink. They've kind of been a mess. Uh, certainly wouldn't be picking under three and a half goals or that Columbus wins. Don't really feel great about any of these other ones. I was thinking maybe Tomas Hurdle under a half a point. But I'm, I don't really love anything else, so please don't follow my advice because I suck at this game. Yeah, so the hurdle one is interesting because he's picked up points in five of his last ten, three of his last five. So while I think, I mean, Seattle, been good, Joey Decord, they should be able to hold the Sharks relatively low. I think I'm going to ride with you on St. Louis over three and a half goals tonight against Columbus. That's going to be one of the more popular ones on the slate. Um, our garbage time today, Frank, a little viral story and one you'll appreciate if you are a collector like myself. Um, and I love the way this tweet is worded as well. Imagine a family member passes away. You go through their belongings and discover 16 unopened boxes of 1979-80 OPG hockey cards. This happened in November of last year. This was the year of the Gretzky rookie card, so who knows how many are buried in those boxes and presumably would be in immaculate condition. Frank, this is going to auction, and I think Darren Ravel tweeted it could go as high as $2 million. It's actually projected to potentially be much more than that, somewhere between two and a half and three. And if you haven't checked out the video on Darren Ravel's feed, by the way, soon to be a teammate Darren Ravel as part of Better Collective and the Action Network, um, the video is unbelievable. They found this in a in an office, essentially in a house in Regina, Saskatchewan, and they actually flew up there to document this because it is so rare to find something like this. The entire set, sixteen boxes in one sealed box. And originally on the outside of the box, it only says Opeachy 1980. And people were like, oh, well, you know, if it's one year later, not the Gretzky rookie year, you're probably looking at still a nice haul, 350,000 or so. But since it's the Gretzky rookie year, you're, and you could potentially have multiple of those, you're looking at two and a half to $3 million for these sealed boxes that have never seen the light of day in 45 years i mean that's pretty incredible so awesome story and uh you can document the whole thing and follow it on darren Ravel's feed it's it's pretty cool whether you're a card collector or not just a hockey fan that's pretty amazing yeah and i know uh gavin our producer just dropped this in our chat too but one single unopened box of mcdavid's rookie year goes for about 1700 dollars already which is wild considering in 2015, the box would have sold for a couple hundred bucks, right? So and, think of that kind of investment. If you would have had the foresight to just buy like 50 boxes at 200 bucks a pop, then just hold on to them for 10 years, what you'd flip that for, it's crazy. It's like anything else. You got to be willing to hold it or else yeah. it's not really that valuable. No one to it's hold like, them. It's no. like me with uh, Bitcoin. Just, <laughs> yeah, just sit go. tight. Not, not at 40,000 bucks. It's going to be going at some point for 10 million bucks. This is not financial advice. Yeah, we need to add that in for legal reasons. All right, that is a wrap. Again, no show tomorrow. We are live from Toronto Thursday and Friday. Plenty of fun all-star content coming your way. So thanks for tuning in. Everyone on the YouTube, you guys were fantastic tonight, and we'll chat again on Thursday. 
Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.